I'll read off a quote from the city of Winnipeg, just for clarification. And they say that a secondary suite, quote, must be no larger than 33% of the combined floor area of the principal dwelling and the secondary suite or 800 square feet or whichever is less. And they also mention it can be no less than 350 square feet. Hey, investors, you are listening to the Investing to Win podcast, the show dedicated to empowering investors to achieve financial freedom and live your best life. This show is committed to offering honest conversation between investors, common sense strategies, real-time market updates, and professional guidance to achieving financial freedom. Investing doesn't have to be super hands-on or complicated. We are all about passive investments with real gain, so you have freedom of time and money. Your host is none other than Garrett Wong, who brings decades of experience in buying, renovating, and managing cash flow investment properties. Thanks for being here and get ready to invest to win. Welcome investors. This is Garrett Wong, your host of the Investing to Win podcast. So I have some exciting guests coming up in the very near future, but I wanted to give you a bit of an update. Um, maybe you're not following social media, but I am attempting to do my very first secondary suite. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, you know we haven't done tons of burrs and other things, but specifically a secondary suite, the only experience I have is seeing it done by our clients. Now, let me preface that by saying, you know, I'm going to sprinkle this in over the next six months. Uh, because that is the project timeline. I'll probably call this an intro uh, to the project. Maybe I'll do a progress uh, in a few months and then I'll wrap it up at the end. But I thought the audience might want to kind of follow along because it is quite a specific process. There's lots to learn. Um, and maybe you might want to attempt this on your own or with your contractor uh, based on what you uh, hear me giving out in the podcast. So let's let's get started. So the property itself, um, we bought a property, um, gee, I think we took possession maybe two weeks ago. So let's, let's back up maybe six, six, seven weeks. Went to a property thinking it was going to be a good flip. Um, and it was a 1960s three bedroom, just over a thousand square foot bungalow. Now, if you are in the Winnipeg area, the 1960s bungalow is kind of iconic um, I grew up actually in a 1960s bungalow. Um, as coincidence would have it, uh, three weeks, uh, three weeks, three blocks away from this property. So that was my childhood home. And a 1960s bungalow has a front door, obviously, and the back door, you kind of go up three steps, and the kitchen is right there. And if you look to your left or right, there is these basement stairs at the very back. So it's not like your modern home where the stairs are in the middle of the home. Um, it's um, right at the very back. Drove my parents crazy. Um, I then moved into a 1960s bungalow as my first house. You know, kids falling down the stairs. It's actually, you know, a little annoying if you're living in one, but, and here's the big but. When I saw this, I'm thinking, what could be better for a secondary suite? Because you need a separate entrance. And because those stairs are right there, it's the perfect venue and opportunity to create that secondary suite. So the property itself is 1,049 square feet. It's a three-bedroom bungalow. 
with a very large yard. It's 50 by 100 lot. And this one's actually extra interesting because it has a front driveway and a back lane access. So there's my two opportunities for parking, one for each unit, actually multiple for each unit. So the basement itself is somewhat so-called finished, you know, old wood paneling, um, bathrooms half renovated, half destroyed, whatever you want to call it. Um, but basically a blank canvas and the upstairs has been renovated recently where it has, you know, maple cabinets, stainless steel appliances. They um, removed the wall to the dining room, created an open concept. And they recently just refinished the hardwood floor. So this is actually a really good opportunity to have my cake and eat it too, so to speak, because I'm going to be able to very little work upstairs other than doors and windows to be able to rent that out very quickly while at the same time we are developing the basement. And why that's advantageous to myself and my investors is obviously we now have rental income coming in to offset the holding costs. Okay, so let's get into secondary suites. I decided that I wanted to really get into the weeds on this myself, um, including, you know what, not having a designer, not going through a general contractor. Um, I wanted to do this myself because of our property management company and the dozens of trades that we have, but also I just wanted to really learn it. And because I have some time on my hands to be able to do so, really become an expert at this, because if that is the case, all the work I'm putting in now, I can rinse and repeat and just keep targeting these types of properties. Okay, so the city of Winnipeg, if you look at their website, there are two things that you need for any project. Okay, the first thing is a development permit. Okay, and then you have a building permit. And I have to admit, I thought one was used in one case, one was used in the other. So I'll explain. The development permit is actually the what of the project. And the building permit is the how. So in the case of a development permit, and I'll give some examples, you need a development permit approved if you're doing something like a new structure on a lot or in addition to a house, exterior alterations, some site work, change of use, you know, home-based businesses. So you can see that the city wants to approve what you are doing to basically the site and how it affects the neighborhood is the way I'm looking at it. And of course, secondary suites fall into that category. Now the building permit, a lot more people are probably familiar. That is the how. So that's where you're looking at your typical inspections, you know, building codes, you have to, you know, go to current standards and bylaws. You know, I, I think most people understand that concept. So let me start off by giving you some advice which worked really well for for us in this project now development permits optimistically take about three weeks to approve if you have everything they want if you don't have everything they want after three weeks they reach out to you hey you you're missing your site plan you're missing the labels of the streets uh, or whatever it might be and you're probably waiting another three weeks so you want to make it and get it right the first time but sometimes you you, you don't now, to get a jump start on this, we had about four to five weeks of possession time. So there is something that you can do to speed this up if you are friendly enough with the vendor, the previous owner of the property. So that's what we did. We had them sign what's called an owner statement, and that allows a permit holder to apply 
for whatever you're going to apply for. So in this case, I had the vendor sign an owner statement allowing me, Garrett Wong, to apply for the development permit. Okay. Building permit would be the same thing, but it's basically a blanket permission statement that allows other parties to create those permits. Now, once title changes hands, it doesn't really matter that the owner has changed because the permit holder, which would be myself or maybe your contractor or whatnot, is already on record. Okay. So that is something that we did. And yeah, the, the uh, vendor was more than happy to sign that. So worked really hard. And about two and a half weeks ago, we had um, submitted that development permit. Now, again, you might think I'm crazy, but I actually went, you know, the design of this basement um, just really doesn't work where they have, you're coming in to the basement itself. There's a floor drain, there's a telepost, really didn't work for me. Um, And some of the suggestions I had from various trades that were coming through kind of were, were locked into that line of thinking. I wanted to start with a blank canvas and I'm kind of a computer geek. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. So I actually went uh, with a laser measuring device and a sketch and a pad of paper. And I sketched out the real measurements of the entire basement as it is right now. I started learning a medium difficulty CAD program I entered everything in there and then I started moving walls around and bedrooms and bathrooms just to see if I could do it, but also if I could completely revamp this. So what's interesting is according to the city, you cannot have a secondary suite more than 800 square feet in area. So when I had started the podcast, I said this property is 1,049 square feet upstairs. So obviously being a bungalow, the footprint in the basement is also 1,049 square feet. So we can't go above 800 square feet. So that means I cannot dedicate the entire basement and the back entryway and those basement stairs to only the basement brand new secondary suite unit. I'll read off a quote from the city of Winnipeg, just for clarification. And they say that a secondary suite, quote, must be no larger than 33% of the combined floor area of the principal dwelling and the secondary suite or 800 square feet or whichever is less. And they also mention it can be no less than 350 square feet. So I, I don't know why they have this. Um, it's very interesting to me, but it is what it is. So we have to have a, a floor plan design between 350 square feet and 800 square feet. Now, Obviously, I want to maximize the floor plan as much as I can. So if I can go up to 799 square feet, that's what I'm going to do. But that means I have to do something with 250 extra square feet in this basement. So in thinking about it, that means the basement stairs can be for both units. That means we have to create a common foyer, vestibule, whatever you want to call it, at the bottom of those stairs, uh, which is fine. And then... You know, being that we have a three-bedroom, very nicely decorated unit upstairs in a very good neighborhood, I thought it would be fitting to actually give them a nice large storage area in the basement as well, which coincidentally is going to allow us to give them their own breaker panel, which is also a requirement by the City of Winnipeg. Okay, so now we're taken care of. Now we've got our 800-square-foot, two-bedroom, one-bath unit. And we have about 250 square feet of common area 
sorry, um, a little bit square feet of common area with a door that goes into the main, uh, the basement unit and another door that goes into the main floor storage unit. So, you know, this is an audio only podcast, but hopefully you're in your car and you can kind of picture what I'm talking about here. Okay. All right. So where we're at currently then is we have windows that we have ordered. Now, again, windows, at least right now, at this present time that I'm recording the podcast, uh, six to eight weeks lead time. Um, egress windows, you know, you've got engineering drawings, permits, uh, those windows also have to be ordered and things like roofing, right? Um, didn't want to get into the fall and then into snow and the roof on this one is, is pretty bad. Uh, wouldn't want to start painting and doing the upstairs little that we have to do if, uh, if the roof is going to be leaking. So we were able to order those windows and put a deposit on that well before possession. So give us a good three week head start. Same thing with the egress windows and the roof was already scheduled at about six, seven weeks out. So I think we're in good shape. Right now, we're just in a waiting pattern for this development permit. Um, I'm expecting to hear back any day. I have my building permit ready to go. Uh, that's also a good three weeks, but there are certain things you can maybe start to do at least, you know, take apart some things and maybe a little bit of light demo. I'm actually not even sure about that. Um, so that's what my contractors tell me, but I do want to follow the rules. So we're going to be looking that up. And if we have to wait, uh, for the city's blessing on the building permit before we touch anything, then that's what we're going to do. So currently we're just in the middle of, you know, removing some possessions that were left behind more like junk hauling, I guess, but not touching any demo. So that is where we're at. Um, hopefully you found that very enlightening. Um, it's been very, very interesting for me as I, again, this is the first time I've ever done something like this. And yeah, we'll, uh, in a few months, I'll be giving you some more updates and certainly you can follow this story on social media until then. And until next week, this is Garrett Wong, your host of the investing twin podcast signing out. Have a fitful week. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Investing to Win podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of another investor, take a screenshot and share this podcast episode with them. Investing to Win is not only about helping you to win more, but WIN actually stands for Wise Investors Network. It's where we help our investors build a hands-off portfolio and have passive investments work for them. To catch the show notes for this episode and see how you can potentially partner with us, go to www.upperedgecapital.com and click on Invest With Us to learn more. Once again, the link is www.upperedgecapital.com. All links can be found in the description below. Until next time.